1: Welcome to the MarTech
0: Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro.
1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast. And today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential. And I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders.
2: Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders, and today we're going to discuss navigating knowledge layers and overcoming friction in commerce. Joining me today is Chris Mall, who is the president and COO at Prion, which was founded in 2017 by the minds behind Amazon's Alexa, Apple's Siri, and IBM's Watson. Pryon's full-stack, no-code, AI-enhanced knowledge management platform transforms untapped digital assets from multiple sources into solutions that measurably improve outcomes. Yesterday, Chris and I talked about the deployment of knowledge layers, and today we're going to continue our conversation by talking about how knowledge friction impacts commerce. Okay, here's my conversation with Chris Small, the president and COO at Pryon. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank
3: you. Good to see you. And thanks for having me
2: back. It's good to have you back. I always enjoy walking down memory lanes. You you made me think about sitting in a college library and microfiche machines. I was 18 again. Thanks for that, Chris. Can I ask what college? What college was that? I went to Drexel University. Nice. Go Dragons. has no football team. So if you know Drexel, you're probably an engineer. (laughs) So let's start things out. I want to talk about, and this is really harking back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago, but I want to set the table. And I want to start out, first of all, what are some examples of knowledge friction we can give, especially for the B2B marketers out there? And I'd love for you to sort of unwind a little bit, sort of your experiences out there on the ad front, attempting to solve this problem many, many years ago. So let's start out with this idea of what some of those friction points are, good examples of friction points between the prospects and the marketers who so desperately want their attention.
3: When I think about friction from a prospect, I think this has some overlap with B2C, but from a B2B perspective, it's obviously the highest level of the brand itself. And what is it about the brand that resonates with you know what I'm looking for, whether it's security or scale or trust or... You know, what is it I'm shopping for? So the brand story. The second is obviously the product or service story, which is the thing I need to delve into to go from, oh, high level, this is the quality I'm looking for. Medium level, this is the solution or the service I'm looking for. And then there's the actual purchase journey, which is, you know, let me engage and ask the questions I need to get it right. Then, of course, there's the service journey once I become a customer. So I think that's an arc, whether it's probably a good arc, whether it's consumer or B2B. The brand journey, of course, is all kinds of different touch points, anything you and I can think of, and how do I go from the broadest touch point into the product experience? So websites is one of the first areas we solved some problems for big, big brands. In fact, the first problem we solved was the service journey. So this is after they had already met the brand, they met the product, now they had purchased it, now they're a user, and they have all kinds of technical questions about it. In this case, it's hundreds of thousands of folks that use a very technical product from a big, big brand. I can show you their logo, but I don't have the right to talk about the previous case. But you know, there are probably three, four hundred thousand people a month on a global basis who go to a website, a series of support websites, so this is the service journey. And they got very nitty gritty questions, make no mistake about it. I have a certain kind of machine with a certain kind of board. So the friction becomes almost apparent to yourself and myself. And these gamers, by the way, are all over the globe, but they're using it. So, the question is, when I go to that site and I can go to either a digital human interaction point, or I can go to what looks like a chat bot that's actually really a knowledge bot, and I can say, my problem is X. And you now would navigate for me in the old systems that we're familiar with as marketers, all the ways to try to figure out how do I get you what you want. Knowledge fabrics do it very differently. Think about this the world of the chat bot is all about forcing them into a predefined set of steps and have them ask predefined questions only a knowledge bot or a knowledge fabric just the opposite richly ask your question because our semantic layer and our other ai layers are want all the words you got and we're going to find you the answer right out of that so what you get there is sort of a 92 to 93 percent i got what i was looking for experience which is not the nature of any of the things so that's the service journey now if we go back to the product journey Let's go to somebody who has all sorts of alternative products that people digitally want to interact with to get to the same thing. Two big differences in the marketer's experience in the product journey. One is the buyer can define the journey. This gets back to what we were talking about last time about personalization. I mean, I'm starting where I'm starting from on the product journey with you. Maybe I'm interested in specs. Maybe I'm interested in colors. Maybe I'm interested in speeds and feeds. All buyers have a different origin point. And in a semantic knowledge fabric way, we are delighted with any and all origin points. So the marketer's challenge around product journey is, I got to prescribe and pre-think every one of these journeys and try to organize my tech. That's a jalopy of digital experiences. I want to actually meet the buyer where they are. And the buyer knows where they are because they're going to ask their questions. And then I'm going to have a knowledge fabric that's going to find and deliver the experience to that question in milliseconds. And we're doing this at scale with one firm that we'll have some big announcements with. They're talking about five to 6,000 interactions per second. So think about the volume of buyer activity that is shopping your site or going into buying things. That's a lot of people asking a lot of questions. And in this case, we're talking about a knowledge fabric, right? And that knowledge fabric is all this content you've already built, whether it's your product engineers or your support engineers or your brand folks or your marketing folks. You've built great content, but it doesn't behave in the personalized way. So that second use case is people who are digging into the product journey from where they're starting, and the knowledge fabric is meeting you where you're at, number one. Number two, when we have that knowledge answer and meeting you where you're at, it's up to the marketer to decide, is it a video? Is it a digital human? Is it that digital human guiding you to another brand site that's going to take you deeper into an experience that allows you to really become an acquisition funnel? So those are two use cases I think about, the services and the product. The purchase cycle, we haven't worked a lot with because that's a pretty commercial. But I would say the product journey and the service journey are the high interaction points. Purchases, we got in the right product, we got in the right page, you're going to push the right buttons. But that being the case, I probably have questions As I'm in the purchase journey, and if I can interact with those purchase mechanisms, a way where I can speak my needs, I'm going to also have a much richer purchase journey. So that's just a few themes. We can dig into any number of use cases. I I think on the service journey, I had touched on about a hospital system. And one of the things that we found really interesting in an early, so they are marketers, but of a different level. This is expert, this is science, this is trust, this is secure. But my websites, and you know, this is a big hospital system. There are 27 of them with lots of information for the buyer to find, whether it's around my cancer research, my protocols, my clinics, what makes me different. And one of the things that I would offer a marketer to consider about what is knowledge friction was the question that we, Igor and I, were actually working with some executives there and as we explained what it meant to build a knowledge fabric, which is we'll ingest all that content and then we'll put it into a fabric and we can know what it actually is and we can rationalize and do a clean version of it. So they kind of put their hand over their mouth and went, oh, it's hard for us to know what actually is across those 27 websites. So this is a very different marketer challenge, right? This is an expert marketer. This is a de-risk marketer. This is a put the right information right there. And what we have as marketers is information that's out there that we can't even really know what it all is. So while that's in the knowledge fabric world, we ingest all those 27 sites and put them into a fabric in a couple of days. And then through a series of test suites we run, we can rationalize that knowledge into the true latest cleanest version of itself. That's a very big problem set. It's interesting because when we first worked with one, firm. They said, we would pay you a lot of money just to tell us what's actually on our websites. (laughs) And our point was, that's not the value. We have a much further goal in our value set. But for our value set, and this is what Igor set out to do, You know, Alexa was his original technology. He wanted to build a truth value set that's automated for enterprises and for marketers. Our value set is to go much further than that. Let people speak their piece and get their highest experience. But you got to get to the truth right away in this fabric. And that's the first value set in this You can actually know it. So website, I would say, putting a whole new level of productivity on those digital forensics about what's out there and how do we, one, organize it in, again, it's all done in our platform, but two, serve up the best experience for the buyers that come based on their own journey defined by them.
2: So we're flipping the switch, right? The word you used last episode is forensics. I think that term is so appropriate as marketers. We're sort of pouring over data that I'm going to call dead on some level, right? It's useful data. And we can have a conversation, you and I, about deploying regression models to ultimately understand that data better. A lot of data scientists just picked up their ears and said, maybe not in this scenario. Roll with us for a second, folks, on this one. But we're really talking about uh, flipping the switch here. And what I would love to do is really two things. The first is I wanna talk about how friction is potentially showing up. What is the evidence of friction for CFOs versus CMOs? And then I I wanna put a scenario in front of you because I I think that what we're talking about is so conceptual on some level, and we're hearing about the value. What I want to do is we're going to spend time talking about a scenario where a prospect visits a website and how the experience changes. So first question for you, how is friction showing up differently, say for a CFO versus a CMO? And let's talk about some of those use cases. I'm going to give you a particular one.
3: Okay, so let me jump on the CMO and then we'll go to the CFO. The CMO is interested in whether it's a brand path to conversion, a product path to conversion, or even a service path to conversion. It's the happy buy. It's people that have moved from suspects to engage to motion towards the purchase or the service to actually a client. All of those look different in a world where a knowledge fabric is doing the work for you versus the traditional digital measures. And the point is that the buyer's journey begins with the buyer's interest. They have, quote unquote, we perceive to be an intent. But imagine if that digital intent is actually the words they say versus the signals or forensics that you and I talked about. And there's two parties to this forensics. One is all around the buyer, what their needs are, what their wants are. And by the way, the thing that's fascinating about a buyer who's really interested is they'll tell you exactly what they want. And I mean it just like you and I are present. But the digital world, that's one of the big friction points is the frustration of buyers. So drop-off, CMOCs drop-off, pages to next experiences, it's all drop-off. And let's talk about digital buying. 2% conversion, hooray! Like there's some numbers that are relatively low on the scale of all the interest that you may get. We're talking about a whole different world of engagement because at the end of the day, as a buyer, I'd love to follow the path I'm telling you I want to follow. And that's the difference in the knowledge fraction. So drop-off rates high, conversion rates low, those are two numbers that change drastically. Another number for a marketer is engagement. While we're talking about marketing, and the dawn of location-based, you remember Solomo, social, local, mobile? Marketers are talking about it. And then I was actually participating in Go Salomo. I don't know if you know what that means. So that's the gaming dynamics, right? So this is the beginning of, we now had location, we now had social, which is a lot more data. We knew where you were. And how could I use game dynamics? And there was a company I actually joined through Google Ventures called Scavenger at the time, which is a social mobile gaming platform to create engagement, phenomenal engagement with buyers, right? And in fact, one of our clients that used it and actually won awards for it was Coke. So Coke actually ran experiential social mobile games with us at all the Simon Malls across America. And you could come in and scan a code, download the game, and start playing a game at that place, physically interacting with that game. And the levels of engagement were 15, 20, 30 minutes. Can you imagine that as a marketer? I mean, I know you frowned and you shook your head on the screen. You're like, well, how did that work? And actually the folks at Coke that did it with us were like, this is ridiculous. Like the relative amount of money we spent for people to spend 10, 12 minutes with the brand was crazy. So that's a level of engagement that was partially defined by the buyer, but it was a social mobile game. What we're talking about is if the buyer can define the journey a little bit, the level of engagement goes through the roof. Knowledge fabrics are about the buyer only defining the journey. That's truly the case, that they actually express their interest and their curiosity, and they find along that path to the brand the answers to the questions they want in the way. And I think the other way I talk about it from a marketer is if you think about the center of the bullseye, which is a customer, and the deeper center, which is a repeat customer that brings more customers, the paths to that are now architected by marketers. I'm trying to overthink, pre-think, and define that. Imagine if all buyers from all points in the buyer journey could actually follow their path into the customer journey, into the repeat customer journey. That's the difference between knowledge fabrics and then digital technologies, we know it. I didn't hit the CFO. If you want, I can jump on that for a second.
1: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's mutine dot co.
2: Let's do this. Let's just say that when we talk about friction showing up, And by the way, I'm saying CMO, let's really admit anybody on the commerce side of the business is responsible for adding new customers, right? And what ends up happening is we're so habituated to the increments of the increments. And so when we're seeing friction, we're actually probably not recognizing the friction because we're used to conversion rates. So they're so absurdly low and cost per engagement being so absurdly high. And I just would throw, I'll throw the answer out there I have for CFOs because I want to get to a use case with, uh, with you today. What I would say for the CFO is that it's showing up if you're a CAC, so I'm going to use an industry term for SAS, but it's showing up at CAC and you're seeing your CAC CLTV ratio just get whacked out. And for anybody who's in SAS, I just described your last two and a half years, right? So really, if we can, we'll land on that and just say, look, we're so used to it, so imbued of the way we look at the world, friction, we're, it's so built into what we're doing as CMOs that we're sort of accepting of it. It's the it's the frog, it's the allegory, the frog in the hot water, right? Boiling water. And then the CFOs are cutting, 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 trying to get to a lower cocktail or higher cact to ratio. So what I wanted to put in front of you, and this is something that I think is a real world scenario that I really want people to understand is the following. I show up on a website and I know we're all on some level, whether we're digital natives or not, we are digitally aware, especially as buyers. We fully understand what's happening. We hit a website. So the dance is I'm going to show up on the website and do my best to navigate it. So nobody bugs me later on. I know I'm going to get stuff following me digitally, but I'm a commando. I'm going to show up on that website and I'm going to do my best to interact on the website in a way that's not going to have somebody harassing me. So let me put this scenario in front of you. We have a whole sub industry in the MarTech landscape with amazing brands like Drift. I'll just mention Drift because it's a brand I think a lot of people know. And this is really script. This is a protocol. This is a chatbot on your website. The scenario I want to put in front of you is this. We're getting into flying cars just a little bit. I show up on a website today. I just described that journey. Would you disagree with it at all? Chris, do we need to anchor or argue on that at all? No, no. Okay, that's present day. I have a knowledge fabric and it's enabled by a bot. Let's say it's enabled by Drift. Tell me what that experience is like. I'm I'm sort of connecting technologies and I'm asking you to operate on the fly here with this concept of these two things. Tell me how different that experience is for a buyer. How how are they experiencing a brand differently if they just interact with the Drift chatbot? So chatbots
3: have traditionally been pre-thunk about the journey. And that means smart people have to sit there and sort of, yep, pre-thunk. It's not a marketing term, but I, I believe marketers will resonate. Can I put myself in all those 360 degrees of buyer journeys and try to wire up the perfect path for experience? And I've had great marketers that I've worked with who, you know, late nights, exhausted, bloody eyes. We're all trying to hammer out the 25 big buying paths and knowing that we're not going to get them all because I can't predict all of the buyer paths. I can only predict the top few and I can optimize the top few and then I can get yield off of that. And the fundamental reason is because the content, whether it's brand content, product content, service content, customer content, got a layer of digital transformation between us and the buyer that doesn't think about the buyer in the buyer's point of view. It thinks about it in programmatic ways. And that's a big term we all know. So I would say the CFO is funding friction. He's actually funding friction for no reason other than that's the predominant world that exists. Removing knowledge friction, and my partner Igor, like if you said, hey, show me one photograph of what represents who you are, it's Ben Franklin, whose passion in life was to reduce the distance between people and knowledge. And that that is his manifest, and Igor is from Pennsylvania. And so my point is, you're funding friction because the systems that are there are still predictively trying to architect the dialogue between the buyer and your brand. And that's how it's all wired. And I could literally probably go to any one of the favorite MBA schools that we have and give a talk for hours on how any other digital marketers have built friction into the system. So he's funding friction, number one. And the reason is that all those technologies are parts that are built by people who are thinking about what could be the buyer's journey. And they're built on top of each other, including the ad networks, the buying networks, the data networks. They're all saying, hey, I'm better and smarter about predicting your buyer. And what I'm saying is throw it out the window. And let the buyer tell you what the journey is. And then let your systems of record be capitalized on through a knowledge of fabric to meet your buyer where they're at in the journey. And they will respond to that. It's like anything else. If I walk up to you and say, good morning, and you say, a hamburger, sir? I'm like, what happened there? I don't, I don't know what happened. On the other hand, if I say, good morning, and you start speaking to me where I'm at, And that's what knowledge fabrics are about. They're about letting the buyer decide their journey, let the customer decide their journey, let the partner decide, let the employee. Let's flip to the inside of companies. I know we're talking about marketers, but when I go to COOs and Igor, my partner does, and we say, do you believe that the information that you've designed to empower, educate, and create a very productive employee, do you believe that knowledge is being put to work? And they're all saying not a chance. And we actually have a way of scoring knowledge frictions out of a company, which we will ask about 10 basic questions and we can give you an index of how bad it is and how consequential and frankly, how a pandemic, sorry, I had to use the word, but the pandemic of knowledge friction is very, very real. So CFOs are funding it because there's nothing else. Marketers would love nothing more to get rid of it. Every CMO on the planet would love an elegant one-to-one journey between whomever you are, even if you're a suspect versus a prospect versus a customer, so that you're getting exactly what you're looking for. And that level of customer experience delight creates buyer momentum. People move their way through that. And that's what Igor set out to do with Amazon Alexa. That's the first thing he helped architect. And when you ask Alexa a question, she gives you answers. Now, but he would tell you it's boring because, you know, the weather and the traffic and restaurants versus let's be intelligent. Imagine if you're researchers in late 2019 and you're wondering about this thing called COVID and you have three or four very specific researchers that you know have done work and you want to ask a question and get their research in milliseconds. That's an example of a fabric. And As we've met folks and they said, this is ridiculous. So a researcher is an internal shopper of a company trying to develop something for that company, in this case, new products. That's one way you can self-organize a fabric internally. But that's what I would say. CFOs are funding it. CMOs want to eliminate it. The buyer would love nothing more than a frictionless journey with the answers to what I'm looking for and walk me through that path. And this is a new dawn for that. And it is driven by AI. Make no mistake about it.
2: Let's wrap things up with, I'm going to give you two analogies. I'm going to ask you for a timeline. Analogy number one, when flat panel TVs first came out, they were $10,000. I just bought one for the guest room. It was 300 bucks. The first time a high functioning electric vehicle came out, it was the Roadster. It was $175,000. I have a Tesla, well, I'm not bragging. These are not expensive cars anymore. No, I have a tesla like- Y sitting in my driveway. I'm hardly the kind of person that's going to buy a Roadster. So what's the timeline? Because I'm looking at this going rightfully, you're going for the big, well-funded organizations that are likely to be able to fund this, but there is a point when it's available to the Doug Bells of the world who want to test the Y sitting in their driveway. So what is that timeline to the point where this is something that's available, knowledge fabric, knowledge layer, to your average organization? What does that look like? Are we rights law 18 months out or are we years out? I would say not at all. I mean, if we could take the books on the shelf behind you, and
3: Igor would offer this, and we could digitize them, and you could have a knowledge fabric of the intelligence in your room tomorrow. Now, that's technology's ability that we have. In terms of self-servicing at scale, anybody can click on it. I would say in Q3, we will be releasing a version of this technology that's fully self service, meaning anybody who has a knowledge friction problem can generate an account with Brian, ingest the content and start asking questions, that's Q3. So that's on the way, that's here now. And then secondarily, and this is something Igor's pioneering, our ability to have you plug that in where you need it, so those answers go where you want, is Q4. Right now, the architecture we've gone to market with, enterprises are using, and those enterprises, by the way, one of our clients is the Corning Credit Union. They have live knowledge fabric. So this is Corning Credit Union, this is in Corning, New York. It's not a big, bad company. And they just made a decision last November, December, to sort of solve the knowledge problem and do it both internally and externally in their life. So we're on our way. This is real now. And in fact, one of the offerings that Igor and I put out there was something we call Prion Labs, which is a relatively inexpensive way to build some of your own fabrics immediately. We do it with our sales and support teams. And you can do the math yourself. What does it mean to have that kind of fabric and put it to work so... Prion Labs actually is out there in the world. Now we have some big partners that are going to deliver that to their client bases. So it's here now. And actually, Igor was building these fabrics, specifically purpose-built fabrics, right? So what we don't do, we use LLMs. What we don't do is take your content and blend it out there in the world and then bring it back to you and wonder if it's going to hallucinate. This is all your own purpose-built fabric. It's for you. It's of and by and for your own content but he was building these outside of the Alexa journey. He was building these six, seven, eight years ago for big brands as an example, you know, prototypes,
2: beta. So it's here. I have to say my constant worry is we have a conversation that's so theoretical and we're talking about a former German colleague of mine used to call them flying cars, right? But I really want to want to depart with and really enjoy the conversation again, Chris, thanks for being back on. What I want to depart with is this is happening now, this is happening quickly. And so for the B2B and B2C marketers out there that are listening in need to pay attention because this is going to get picked up fast. I have to tell you the number of companies where this could be applied today to improve business as SaaS hits what I'm going to call the SaaS right? It's really been a terrible year and a half in the SaaS industry. We've got to change. we got to change the way we market our CAC to LTV ratios are out of whack. The funding is not showing up tomorrow, folks. Interest rates are still high, and we've got to grab for things like this. And I have to say, I've learned so much, and I really appreciate your time sort of unwinding this possibility for us today.
3: Yeah, thank you. And I think the watchword for our advanced technologies is safe, secure and scalable. So all of it is unlike a lot of the generative, which many brands are worried about what will this do to me? This was born for that not to be the case. So there's nothing here that creates risks that does the opposite. So awesome to spend time again.
2: The thing I'm walking away with here is CFOs are funding friction. Okay. That wraps up this MarTech Insider episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Chris Mall once again, president and COO at Prion for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Chris, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at ChrisMallNY, or visit his company's website at prion.com.
1: Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is marketadvocate. Or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is benjshap.com